How's everybody doing? We are back again with another fresh take here. I'm Brad Ruggles. I'm Matt Gaylor. And we have a special guest with us. Geth. <laughs> well <laughs> done, Brad. Well Off done. to a good start. Right, yeah. Off to a good start. We have a special <laughs> guest with us here in the studio today, uh, Tamara Shelton. Tamara, it's so hey. great to have yeah, you here with great us. Great to be here. Great and, to be here. And uh, we're excited to have you because uh, in just another week or so here, we're going to be having you uh, speaking mm-hmm. at Inspire. And so we wanted to have you come into the studio so people could meet you and, and get to know a little bit of your story. And uh, this is actually, this is pretty cool. You are our first official guest in our studio. Wow. I feel so. I feel privileged. Yeah, the, you're in on the ground floor yeah. here. Yeah, welcome to the table. Thank welcome you. Welcome to the Thank table, you. indeed. It's <laughs> a good table. Indeed. So uh, what we want to just kind of do is give people an opportunity to hear a little bit of your story there. Um, I mean, if we were going to start the story, you know, for you, what does your uh, faith story look like? Does it go back to, you know, way back when, when you were kind of raised with actually. a Bible in one hand and a bottle in the other? <laughs> oh, well, yes. Basically, <laughs> that really is kind of my story. Um, I actually am a pastor's kid. Okay. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, what's the word reputation that goes along with that yeah. right off the bat. So yeah. you, p- people out there are probably making assumptions. My wife's a PK, so she knows about too, what there. that means. This is that. Oh shoot. Here I am already messing up the podcast with my phone ringing there. So well done. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You're on a roll, Brad. We, I, I am. Star of the show. It's like we haven't everyone. done this before or something. So shoot. Yeah. I'm sorry. Proceed. Yeah. So anyway, um, pastor's kid. So definitely was um, in church all the time. And back then there was church. I think almost every day of the week and yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So was it like a Sunday morning? It was Sunday, Sunday night, morning, Sunday Wednesday night, night, Wednesday night. Oh yeah. Yeah. So especially those Sunday night services by the time I got to be a teenager mm-hmm. were interesting. I remember actually sitting and I, I always had my, my watch ready to kind of at a certain time be pointing from wherever I was oh, sitting to my give dad the cue to my there. watch to dad nice. to you know Oh, because he was preaching. Going. Yeah, because he'd be up there <laughs> nice. preaching. I think eventually he told me I needed to stop doing that okay chloe um, and emily if you're listening to this don't get any yeah, ideas yeah yeah no so. no don't do that <laughs> my wife knows i just ignore those actually yeah, our church yeah. knows that right yeah. right but i remember um yeah i definitely grew up in church i remember being dragged out of church by my mom you mm. know so she could go out and whip me for for not acting right in church no. so you know so did you some... have a little bit of the rebellious streak did that come with the pk well, thing you or? know it's funny actually i'm a middle child so i also kind of adopted those middle child things of just trying to blend in and and keep the peace so yeah so i think my rebellion was more internal Mm, you know mm. and 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 kind of navigating through some of that and uh it wasn't until i got older i kind of yeah then my rebellious streak you know hit a little bit more but but no i was more just kind of that stay the straight and narrow you know and so yeah so grew up in church and then Where, where were you like where did you guys grow up where did I grow up? See, now that's the other thing. PKs a lot of times don't have a home. Yeah, mm. I was just curious. So, like, where all have you been? Yeah, so um, I was born in southern Indiana, and then like where at? Like I want Bedford. Specifics. Okay, Bedford, Indiana. Okay, I know Bedford. So yeah, yeah, and then um, I actually I don't know how long I lived there. It was a very short amount of time. Maybe okay. even born there and maybe less than a year old. We okay. moved to Clarksville, Tennessee. Ooh, I like Clarksville. Yep. I got a friend that lives there now. Okay. On Kentucky Lake. You just, you know, every, you know, places, people. This is Matt's, that's why I yeah. like. That's this is Matt's ask. thing. Connector. He plays these Connector. geographical <laughs> yeah. games okay. where he wants so, to find out One of my college roommates lives there. Okay. Who, who's Did, that? Eric Mitchell. 
Okay. Did you what? What years were? Did you go to Anderson? You did, didn't you? I did. What years were you? So I have to out my age. Well, I'm sorry. If you don't want to. (laughs) No, I I thought we were there. (laughs) That was the one question you needed to avoid. No, I went from um, 97 to 2001. So we would have overlapped like a year. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. For some reason, I was thinking you were a lot younger. So perfect. Okay. I'm not. I'm not as. That makes me feel better though, because I am. Starting to feel ugly and old. Oh, it's I have hard. no hair. It's I'm so getting. Hard. I'm at an all-time fat level, you know. So <laughs> these things happen, you know. It it does happen. My so, husband's bald, so you yeah. know what? It's fine. It's yeah. fine. Um, where was it? Okay, so yeah, Tennessee, and then Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, was there, and then we lived in Pennsylvania, Butler, Pennsylvania, just mm. for one year. Okay, and that that was all before third grade. Oh, so my. then, yeah, so third grade. We moved to Columbia City, Indiana, and that was home for a, a big long. lake. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. And then, and then my senior year of high school, we moved to Goshen, Indiana. Okay. And then I, yeah. So that kind of got me through high school and went to AU and seminary, and then. So did your dad? Yeah. Did he precede uh, Troy? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. Yeah. So these are all things. Brad's new to the Church of God kind of thing, and yeah, to people who are listening, all these, they're going to be like, "What are you guys talking yeah. about?" But so, like, the Church of God is this little—it's a movement that inspires a part of that's basically believes that if you believe in Jesus, you're a member of the Church of God. Mm-hmm. And so, like we say within this movement, like Jesus is the subject, and so that's kind of the—that's the starting point for the whole thing. But there's like churches all over, really the country and world that would be a part of this movement, hmm. and so. Being in Indiana for a while, I've known pastors and friends and stuff like that from all over. And so, yeah. yeah. So there's always, it's funny, you start talking and you, you realize you know all the same people. Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of places. Yeah. Yeah. There's, this word may offend some, but it's, there's, you don't go very far from like people who all seem to be kind of related. I say it's incestuous sometimes. Like, <laughs> like there's like everybody's related oh in some way or another. Yeah. Uh, maybe not. Probably like, not that way. That's not what we're yeah. talking about. Well, so. there are a lot. Not yeah. You're right. You're right. Not <laughs> there is no incest within the church. God, that would be weird. Oh jeez. <laughs> All righty then. Moving right getting along. Getting us back on track here. Yeah, getting help us, us back. Out here. Yes. Help us out here, Brad. <laughs> I, I do think we're early in the podcast, but I do think one of my roles is going to be kind of like reining him back <laughs> okay, in on those okay, kind of comments. Perfect. There, he well, tends to sometimes go there. Everybody has so. a role. Yes. So. Yes. Hey, I there got, we go. I don't have much, but I got something. There you go. So let's go from uh, after high school and stuff like that. Yeah. You, you graduated, went to school. I mean, like, so we're talking about in this series that you're going to be mm-hmm. part of there. It's called Picture Perfect and the yeah. idea of reframing your family story. I mean, what pictures of family did you take into your adult life? You know, a lot of times mm-hmm. as kids, you're growing up either with the idea of, I want to make sure that I try to replicate. I want to have the marriage my, my parents had. I want to, right, you know, right. do things the way my dad did or something like that. Or it's the exact opposite. Like, I want to try to go the opposite direction. I mean, so yeah. what ideas of family did you carry into your adult life as you? Yeah, I um, I mean, feel really fortunate that I was more of the, the former of wanting to replicate some things. Mm. My parents, really, really great marriage and... Um, great parents and just the thing is that i'm i really am blessed with with my dad being a pastor i think you hear a lot of times that um i've heard so many stories of people saying well who who my dad or my mom is as a pastor on the platform on sunday mornings is very different sure, than how they sure. are at home and that that causes a lot of angst yeah, that obviously yeah. and um i can say that who my dad 
who I saw him on Sundays and with the church people was the same mm. as as who he is at home. And so, yeah, so definitely went in with have always had those kind of pictures and wanting to to be like that, which is an excellent thing, but also because of my personality of wanting to be perfect and mm be somebody you know mm. if that yeah. is that yeah. that then there's some pressure there that i've i've had to overcome that it's not about looking a certain way or i don't sure. now i'm like i don't want to be perfect like yeah. that is yeah. I, I like let me be a mess yeah and yeah. be okay in that place yeah so don't you feel yeah. though that we kind of go through that that cycle as in in growing up where we mm-hmm. we start out with these idealized versions of ourselves that we want right. to be right and it could be like you said it could be inherited from our parents where we want to replicate that or we have some ideal that we want to strive for right but then somewhere along the way life happens we mess up things don't turn yeah. out the way they are yeah. they should we thought they would or right. something like that right or we're comparing against others and then we begin to realize that no who i am hopefully or hopefully you're right there who i am mm-hmm. is okay yeah and actually these mistakes these scars are part of my story right right and and you know what's also been so freeing is to realize even as i've gotten older how imperfect my fa- my perfect family mm. is you mm-hmm. know and yeah. to to kind of see the humanity mm. even more of my parents and not that mm. they were like hiding that i think there were some things that they protected us from of sure. course as you do yeah, as parents yes, of course but yeah to be able to see their humanity and kind of mm. enter into that and and you know really quick to admit their own imperfections or sure being like calling out the things that i have that are the same as them that are not awesome and, yeah, yeah yeah but then th- that there's places to overcome that and kind of as sure. a kid, Move sometimes forward. those things hide like in plain sight too. Oh, yeah. Like you don't see them. Like you have mm-hmm. no idea some of the stuff because you, you just have a different lens as a kid. And then you grow up right. and you look back on things. Even looking back, you're like, oh, man, uh, they didn't hide that from me. I just didn't. I never knew it was there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. those kind of pieces. But yeah, I'm the um, the middle the middle girl. There's three girls mm. in my family. So that's, you know, that's interesting. I also kind of, you know, went through went through life growing up stealing my sister's clothes and fighting about the dumbest things and mm-hmm. you know remembering the different ways that each of us were disciplined mm-hmm. and you know and then yeah. you think about what does that look like sure how does that impact sure is it just you life? and your sister do you have other siblings uh She's... two sisters okay so i'm in the middle sisters. yeah oh yeah because i guess if you are a middle there has middle to be three. yeah there yeah. has to be three when you're the middle but i didn't know if there were a sister and a brother so oh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. Good cover. Yeah. yeah. So two. Si- yeah. So there's three sisters. <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> uh, I didn't. Never. That's mind. great. Where I was gonna go was inappropriate. So, uh, <laughs> question: Did you did you know you wanted to go into ministry? I mean, when you went into uh, to, to Bible school and stuff. I mean, what, what were what were your sights set at? Yeah. So, um, at you know, and I think because I wanted to be that like model child, that's mm. that's kind of where I went when I was probably about 13, I thought that maybe I wanted to be a missionary because okay. like if you're really following God, that's what you sure, do. Of course. Right. So right. it has to be that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then I started as I went through high school, kind of thinking, all right, maybe a pastor. And um, so kind of went that route. I went to school and started out as a Christian ministries major. And then I realized I hated my Bible classes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can we edit that part? No, no, but, no. But um, yeah. And so I... Yeah. So I, I changed my major to family science, which mm-hmm. who the heck knows what that is. Yeah. But Sounds I thought, good, yeah, yeah. And I liked my classes. Is that and glorified I, home ec? 
Not no, not no. <laughs> Just it's, your face. It's unglorified social work. Yeah, How's that? Okay, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like, like that. I didn't know because I was like, are we just right. cooking like no bake cookies or what are we doing? Oh here? geez, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, but anyway, so with that, I thought, okay, maybe I'll do like a family ministry type of thing. Yeah. But then as I kind of got into that, I realized family ministry back then it kind of meant like kids. Yeah. And. I love my own kids, but I've never been much for other people's kids. So I, I, I never babysat yeah. as a kid, that kind of thing. Um, but anyway, so then I went to seminary at mm. Asbury Seminary in Kentucky for grad work. And my degree there is in pastoral counseling. And it was actually kind of during that time where I kind of started more than ever. Like I knew that the church was a messed up place because of messed up people, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. Um, but kind of started to see that in some different ways and even looking back and things that were going on. Mm. And I was kind of like, I don't, I don't want to be a pastor. Like, mm. I don't want any part of that. Mm. And so I'm here, I'm at seminary mm. and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. But don't you know, that didn't, that didn't really pan out. And by mm. the way, while I was in seminary, a church asked me to be their children's director. Oh boy. Of course. And yeah, I'm like, well, I need money. so i did do right i I can do this i I can love kids for enough money it was fine yeah Yeah. it was a confirmation i could love them for a year yeah but then when they offered me a job i was like yeah no i don't think so right um but of course i said i'm not gonna i'm not gonna um you know work in the church but then after seminary i got offered i got sucked back in so yeah i was a youth pastor for a while in tennessee which is where I met my husband. So I guess that was, that was meant to be, but gotcha. interestingly enough, you know, talking about family, I, um, so I have this pastoral counseling degree, which you learn about everything there is to know about relationships and, mm-hmm. and family and sex and all those things. Right. And so you think, you know, everything, and then you get married and have your own family and you realize, oh, actually I know nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a continual process of, of course, like, oh, I have all this head knowledge, but once it starts playing out, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't have a clue. There you go. There so. you go. And in ministry there. So at, at what point did you come face to face with this, this uh, realization that within the church world, when you think pastoring or pastoring and, and you think leadership in the church there, a lot of times it's associated with a male role. Yeah. And yeah. for you, you started out with a desire to go into ministry and to mm-hmm. be a pastor and stuff like that. Where did you kind of come up against some of those disconnects uh, in the church? And, and how did that affect kind of who you are today? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I don't know that I really, and maybe it was just the way that my my parents talked about ministry for a long time. I didn't realize that was even a problem. Mm. For women, and and even looking back, I can't think of, of course, I was always under the leadership of my dad, but um, I didn't have a lot of interaction with female pastors necessarily, but I would go to, you know, camps and conventions and things and always heard women speak. So I didn't realize for a long time that that was even an issue. Mm. That's, well, mm. that's part of the Church of God like tradition yeah, too. Yeah, like, the right. Church of God tradition has like, I mean, we have women of the Church of God and sure. or now yeah. there's something different, but you right. know, like we, that's a staple of what it means to be a part of the Church of God. Right. Embracing but it's, women it's interesting what I, what I came, so I, and then as I got older, I just kind of in my head then came to understand that that was a problem, that there was pushback in different areas. And so, but where I actually really experienced that was when I went to, um, my, my first full-time ministry position was in East Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And 
So when I went to, uh, we, I interviewed at that church and, and they basically told me, we want you to come and lead our students, but you won't be preaching mm. because there's too many people. And this is a church of God congregation who, as Matt said, we embrace women yeah. leaders, but this particular church is like in this area of the country that's not something that people are really open to. Mm. And so even like instead no of preaching, even to the students. Well, so that that's different. Yeah. That was different. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, we you can, know, we to can, teach yeah. the students. It's okay. If you talk to the kids. Here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but even in, in that process where they were interviewing me, I remember someone talking about, well, how are you going to teach our male students? Oh, wow. That that was one of the questions that, wow. that they posed. Yeah. <laughs> the same I mean, way I the same way. Right. Yeah. Right. And, but, yeah. you know, I kind of felt like, okay, um, you give me a place to serve and, and I'll do that. Mm. And, and we'll just work with that. And I, you know, I never kind of push, tried to push any sort of agenda, but by the time I left, I, they did have me preach on Sunday morning. Mm. And that was kind of one of, it was this great moment where there was this one particular man who, everyone knew was the biggest um he was against women in ministry and he he did things to kind of make that known but but it was one of it was the last time that i preached there and maybe one of the first that it was official not a youth sunday not a you know but right. i was just preaching hmm. and i thought he was going to leave this man when he found out that i was hmm. preaching he had opportunities to leave throughout the service once he found out and he stayed hmm. and even shook my hand afterwards and you know had some nice words to say mm. which was just this really great moment of never tried to like get in his face or prove anything but then by the end of my time there that maybe something had shifted a little bit but um but then in this part of the country don't really uh, encounter that as much but since i'm a um a campus pastor at a university you have i'm just aware that our students are coming from all kinds of different backgrounds sure. And so I, I know that there's some of that like question mm -hmm. about having um, a female mm -hmm. as the campus pastor. Just, so, and you're talking about from the students, not yeah. staff, right? Yeah, I, I, and I mean, we probably have staff too. And again, that's more things that students would talk about generally behind my back and not in front of my face. But I'm, I'm just aware of that, that right. that's, that that's, in, that's a thing. Yeah, we didn't really mention in the podcast, but she's the campus pastor at that, Anderson Yeah, University. that we probably mm -hmm. should have given a little bit more of that yeah, background there as we're right. getting up there. We we hadn't quite yeah. caught up to that point of the story. Right, so I think right. we got to the point where you were just married. So let's maybe yeah. pick up there. So Yeah, so um so I I moved to East Tennessee to be a youth pastor. It's a place I was just talking about. And it's in the mountains, it's in the middle of nowhere. Mm. And so it's beautiful though. It is beautiful. Tennessee is beautiful. Oh, it's so I beautiful. I would drive around and I'd be like, I can't believe I live here. It's just gorgeous. Um, but you know, I'd gone to college, I'd gone to seminary, had some really, you know, difficult relationships during that time. And um, so yeah, so hadn't and hadn't, you know, met the one or whatever. So then when I realized I was going to this middle of a nowhere place in the mountains of Tennessee, I'm like, okay, God, I guess I'm not getting married. Mm. Thanks, but all for you, you know, that kind all of thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and of course everyone in my life is like feeling sorry for yeah. me or whatever. But um yeah, so actually my husband, he he had he had been the interim youth pastor at the church where I went to serve. He, he went there and his family went there 
And um, they did not give him the job, so he applied. So you replaced his I role. I totally replaced And then went on role. to marry him. Yes. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Isn't that a fun story? It's so, a good consolation prize. Yeah, I it know, is. right? So, yeah, it's it's really fun. But anyway, so his parents, though, were they were volunteers okay. in, in the youth group where I was at. And he actually had moved on to be a youth pastor at another church in town. But anyway, his mom just kept inviting, you know, the the new single youth pastor oh, over yeah. with oh. ulterior motives. Yes, and of so, course. And so we met and then we, you know, planned a Super Bowl party with our two youth groups and had our first date on Valentine's Day. I moved there in January, first date on Valentine's Day, and then we got married the next year on February 12th. Wow. So, How'd that work? Hey, your, did your birthday. youth groups merge right. together too? or did you? They didn't, no. actually. We're all four. That'd have been kind of cool. I know. Right. I yeah, this... that actually, that could have been a great I'm like, other than but... the wedding vows, that sounds kind of like our story there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of differences, Wow, Brad. this sounds yeah. like a story, but <laughs> yeah, so no. Um, yeah, so we got married and That's cool. okay. we stuck around there. Um about three and a half years okay and then had had our first our first child while we were there and so his family matt's family they they all live in that area like the whole family no one's ever good ever people. left good people yeah farmer you mm. know some his grandfather was a farmer and um so yeah but then we moved up here to anderson right let's see our daughter was born in april and we moved in july and she was the first grandchild on any side of the family and, okay. and that was the first person to ever leave so oh boy you know and what year there's was some this? This dynamics is... there going on um 2007 2007 okay mm -hmm. gotcha yeah so so we came up here i was a resident director at anderson university and matt decided he wanted to go to seminary so we're like oh this is great this will just be a quick what well, hall were you stop. at anderson huh so you were an rd where at uh morrison hall all right yeah it was it was great Huh. I loved it. Mm -hmm. Did that for four years. All right. So, so you, guys, you guys like lived in the dorm as a family. We lived in the dorm with students. Yeah. All yeah. Right. So um, we need the, to take Brad over and show him Anderson University and show him around just so he has context. Yeah. At least on the inside. I, I've driven through and been in a hall or two, but okay. uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I did that for four years and we had our second kid while while being a resident director and once once we were a year into having almost a year into having two kids in the dorm it was like yeah maybe maybe we need to move on a little bit so <laughs> we on. loved it though man that day we moved we were like moving into a house with a garage and closet space yeah and we just stood there and cried because we we're like man we're leaving this little apartment and it was such a good such a good place for us yeah. so yeah yeah that's awesome. And what led to you being the uh, the campus pastor there? Yeah, man, it's interesting. So when I left being a resident director, I went on staff at a church in um, Anderson. Mm -hmm. They'd invited me to come on staff as pastor. What was my title? Something like Family pastor of, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it was um, college young adults in outreach. Okay. So it was kind of everything. And then I was the fill-in preacher, fill-in worship leader whenever. Wow. So I just was like the catch Wore a lot of hats kind of person. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually was only, I was on staff part-time for a year and then full-time for a year. And then another position opened up at AU as the um, assistant dean for residence life, which I I just loved being a resident director. And so to lead that, that whole ministry um, was really great. And so I went right back, not thinking that that would be my story or where I was going. Mm. But 
Yeah, so um, did that for four years, and then this is my third year as the campus pastor. Mm. And I don't know, just kind of the weird things that thing, the way that things transpire. But mm. I love this role because I just get to be with students mm-hmm. and um, not have to do like all the administrative stuff. Mm. So with with being a, an assistant dean, you kind of have to get into a lot of policies and. In that kind of thing, which it was like, well, I can do this, but it always felt like tension yeah, yeah. in my in and my this heart feels a little like bit. A better fit for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So just a great fit. And for a while there, it was like I forgot how much I love students, and now I'm like, oh yeah, they're mm. they're incredible. They're great. So so you'd probably have an interesting perspective on this uh, with students that are going away to uh, to school. A lot of times they're discovering what family is in a different context. Mm-hmm. For a lot of them, they either are this is the first time they've been away from family, or they've either moved somewhere, or their family is going through some kind of change or upheaval. Yeah. What does the idea of the reframing the family story look like for you in terms of how you interact with students and the stories that they bring from their mm-hmm. families of origin yeah. into their adults? Yeah, man, it's so interesting to walk alongside students with that because. I, I could probably think of just so many stories of students who are are finally for the first time even recognizing some ways that they experienced some sort of abuse, you know, rather, whether that was physical or emotional or even spiritual. Mm. Some mm-hmm. of the things that they were taught mm-hmm. that are that they realize are not true about who God is as they're discovering that. So mm. so kind of the way that they have to work through that. Um, there's some who, of course, you know, come from these places where they have this idyllic family and maybe something something breaks while they're at school. I, I feel like that happens a lot where that yeah. in that time frame of, of a person's life. Empty nest and boom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, so having them, yeah, kind of walk through that. And then and then, you know, some who um, are, you know, wrestling with things about their identity and, and coming to grips with some of that and how their family might respond. And uh, so. Yeah, I, I feel like that's an ongoing thing. But then a lot of times you have to even, it takes a while to get past the surface mm, right. for, for students to really start talking about their family. So sometimes there might be a lot of other things that we mask what's going on in terms of family mm. dynamics to kind of cover up and like, I don't want to deal with that, um, but definitely can see how that impacts their experience, and, mm. but also can be a really beautiful thing as is, is that means then you discover more about who you really are and who God's really made you to be and embrace that apart from well exactly what talking about in the series apart from maybe those those things that you were told that you came to believe that weren't really true Mm. about who you are or what's true about the world or what's true about god Mm. talking about a little bit on the the mask that you wear um a lot of times it seems to in those environments especially in that pivotal age transition time Mm -hmm. there it's like we're going from this person we used to be into this new person you there's some sense of independence but then there's this idea of trying to form who i am now Mm -hmm. and what that looks like within that context i mean what do you say as a campus pastor to students who are coming to you uh for counsel for advice or who are just struggling with a sense of identity of purpose Maybe, you know, in some kind of a disconnect from their family, or maybe mm-hmm. they have that healthy mm-hmm. relationship, but they're just trying to figure out who I am now or what is my sense of family going to look like moving forward. Right. And I think I think something that's really important is to release students, release ourselves, release people from thinking that there's one set way. Mm. I think that we, um, and again, this is maybe one of these narratives about God that we've we've gotten 
wrong that have been skewed that that okay god show me your will and if i if i step out of it i'm in big trouble mm. and that we have to find this super you know narrow way to go and so kind of first of all to release release students from that that hey there's you're not going to miss it mm. and of course we have fomo i've i've mm-hmm. got fomo mm-hmm. fear of missing out and yep. so like what if i miss it what if i get it wrong and so to first release that and go like no like there's this wide open space that that god invites us to to kind of discover and and play really mm. and and see what god has and so it's it's bigger than maybe even what you were introduced to through your family Hmm. um and that if you're if you're just seeking the lord then like there's all kinds of options there's not just one option Hmm. for you even when it comes to um you know where you live or what job you have or the way that you raise your family or um go about making relationships um there's there's all kinds of different ways Hmm. for that to unfold and and so i think to release from that that pressure and that to to say like you're an individual and the way that God has made you is unique. So mm. embrace that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and discover more of what that means. Yeah, and that's something that we talk about a lot here at Inspire mm-hmm. is this idea. Um, a lot of people that are here know Matt's favorite verse, John ten ten. The idea of that's God. my favorite verse. Well, look at that. Here, high five. There yeah, you made it. yeah. Man, so that's great. the the sense that God invites us into a rich full abundant Mm -hmm. life yes that the things that god is inviting us into uh is open and expansive Mm -hmm. versus kind of this narrow and constricting and some of us have grown up i mean i i read the bible says something about the eye of a needle or something like that oh you know what is that how's it go the camel through the eye of oh yeah. yeah yeah it's hard you can it's i mean it's got to be a very restrictive way isn't it right it is. yeah. we maybe have mis- he's like no maybe misinterpreted <laughs> that along the way somewhere yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i'm with so. you that was a joke mm-hmm. yeah. yes yes <laughs> i i got it okay good good uh, yeah well i i was thinking too like the there's a lot of pressure especially i think when you're young but there's mm-hmm. a lot of pressure for people who are trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, especially people who are new to this idea of following Jesus. Yeah. That it's supposed to look a certain way. And, you know, discipleship, you know, I was even reading this morning on an email about how, uh, you know, sometimes we've painted discipleship as looking like this one way of being a Christian. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, I don't know how we got there. Like maybe if we're, we all think we're supposed to look like Jesus, well, that would be one person. And so we're all supposed right. to look exactly right. like that dude or um, what. But man, I remember like in my own story, just like feeling a sense of freedom when you discover like, oh man, I can, I feel like God's given me some options and he's allowed me to be a, you know, a a co-creator would be a word I'd use, but like a participant in what he's doing. And Mm -hmm. man, that can be very freeing, you know? Yeah. And fun. Yeah. Like we get to participate in it and be a part of it, not just kind of be an, an observer or, you know. Yeah. Always worried about messing up or something like that's not, that's not Mm -hmm. what it's about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I want to switch gears for a second. Mm-hmm. One, I, I did a little bit of background on you, and I happened to watch one of your messages. Uh-oh. And uh, no, no, this is a good story <laughs> okay, here. Okay. So, the, in one of these stories, you were sharing about the idea of community, and you were talking about, and, and I'm going to get the details wrong, so you can kind of firm it up there. Okay. But um, how you had a group of people that you would get together with, and you do a meal and stuff. There, there was a story involving soup and a soup gone wrong. Oh yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, but. I don't know this story. The, I you this. can give a recap of the story, and then I'll tell you the question I want to ask behind that. What 
what does family look like that doesn't necessarily the non-relational mm. family the families that yeah. we create in terms yes. of our relationships and the yeah. community from where we're at right i love that do you want to hear the soup story? yeah let's let's, okay. let's do the soup story okay, first so when i was in grad school um yeah i had i had finally found this group of friends which that even gets into the you're the second part of your question yeah. but um started having them over for meals and it was actually the first time that they came over to my apartment which was one of these government subsidized places that was like kind of scary actually my neighbors were scary um <laughs> but anyway so yeah so they they came over and i'd made this this chicken chili and if you know anything about cooking i put paprika in instead of chili powder accidentally Good. Yeah. yeah, that would be a very interesting. Lady. Yeah, it was awful. And I like yeah. a lot of chili powder. And I thought, surely these new friends will like a lot of chili sure. powder too. chili powder that was actually paprika. So, oh, wow. um, so that was first of many. Um, so it wasn't like a conscious, oh, let's just try this instead. You didn't realize you did it. No, I didn't realize I did it until gotcha. like we took the first bite and then like, oh, welcome to my home. So yeah, so we, we had, <laughs> we did dinner together a lot. And there were a lot of those ridiculous stories where one time, um, we found this recipe for Tabasco chicken and you're, you were supposed to soak the chicken in Tabasco for, you know, like 20 minutes. Right. But my friend thought, well, if we soak it overnight, a little is good. A lot's better. It'll even be better. So the vinegar yeah, in there just it made was, it rubbery I mean, and awful. Yeah. So then yeah. we all took the first bite and it was basically yeah. death. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was fun. That was yeah, fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's something about coming together. Mm. And and it's risky. I think this is something that I've realized as as an adult, if if I'm that yet, um, realize that it's hard. It's risky to kind of build those new friendships, and yet mm. we need it so much. And so once my husband and I realized we were going to be kind of stuck in Anderson for a while, we're like, oh, we should probably start making some friends. And so um, he wanted to get the NFL Network, which is expensive. So I said, well, we can we can do that if it's a ministry expense. Yeah, yeah. Well, and no, we like we just wanted friends. I wasn't even really thinking ministry at the time. I was just like, let's just invite people over to sure. enjoy that with us. Sure. And so we kind of picked some people that we were like, well, they seem like the kind of people we would like to hang out with, you know, and invited them over to start watching football. And and they weren't those people, and so you had to find other friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just kept inviting different people. But yeah, and it was great. And it, I remember. Having everyone, it was like a pitch in, you know, everyone brought something to contribute to probably taco salad or something like that. And just having everybody bring their pieces mm. and we have a meal together and people standing in my kitchen, I was finally like, okay, now our home feels like a home mm. mm -hmm. and we have people. And I mean, that was, I don't know, eight, at least eight years ago. And, you know, many of those people are still some of our closest friends who mm. we say that they're family now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then I, I feel like even in these past few months, we can never have enough of those people that are like family. Mm -hmm. And even in these past few months, have found even more of those, those friends that mm. were like, man, you're like family now. But it takes work. Yeah. Um, and it takes putting yourself out there. That, that risk. You mentioned risk. I mean, I think of the word vulnerability. Yeah. You know, putting yourself out in front of new mm -hmm. people and stuff. And there's always the, going back to what we talked about earlier, the masks that we wear yeah. because eventually you hang out with somebody enough and they kind of see, there's the initial you that you present to someone yeah. when you first meet them. But after two or three times, they see you maybe not at your best. Right. And the the fear that we all carry is like, am I going to still be loved? Am I going to be still mm -hmm. be accepted and mm -hmm. welcomed 
once they know the real me. Right. Right. And that is the most freeing thing ever mm. when you realize I I feel the freedom to just be the real me. And mm. um, see, and, I have a, you I, know, this is weird because like I have a different approach to that because like I don't really care. And, then, and this sounds bad, but like this is probably what drives Brad nuts about me at the same time because like we've become really good friends. Mm -hmm. But I have no problem throwing myself out there. And the reason why I do it because I'm weeding you out early. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's take the that's, approach. That's of like, another approach. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'll like yeah. I'll just set it all on fire and see if you stay around. Yeah. <laughs> that that's, that's is that safe. not true, yeah. Brad? It's true. It's true. That's uh, I like yeah. that. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of freedom there. Yeah. Well, what happens? <laughs> or maybe though, it's another mask. I don't well, know. It, it it might be, but generally, what ends up happening is like if if they can stand you, they stay around. Mm -hmm. If they can't, well, you save some time. Yeah, yeah. But I, I remember one time I had um, called like a group of ladies together, like, hey, let's meet for breakfast. And I knew some of them kind of and some of them knew each other kind of. But I remember driving to that breakfast early one morning and it felt like going on a first date, you know, that mm. I hadn't had that feeling for a while. I'm like, mm. this feels weird. Like, what if what if we don't have anything to talk about or what if people don't <laughs> like each other? So it is it's kind of like that when you're trying to build. Yeah some more friendships but it's worth it to get past that so do you and your husband do you still have people in your house a lot i mean is there a pretty regular basis of yeah people in and out um or? you know sort of our our football party people that's everybody started having a bunch of kids and mm -hmm. so it's not maybe as consistent but um we still like to do that we actually just started uh in january on sunday evenings we have multi-generational people in our home where we're, we're just doing prayer and mm. coming together for worship and prayer, which has been great. So we've mm. got, you know, our oldest people are in their eighties and then my six year old comes sometimes and every, like literally every decade in between, mm. which has just been really cool. And again, it's that, um, trying to find a place where people can really be vulnerable mm. and um and share life together and, you know, talk about the hard stuff and not just talk about it, but then pray about it and, and kind mm. of help each other through that. So that's been really cool. And mm. um, so I guess we've kind of gone from the just hanging out, which mm. we do too. I mean, mm -hmm. we have friends over and and do that. But yeah, to kind of doing some other things in our home as mm. well. Mm. Well, I'm super excited about what you're going to bring to this conversation as we're talking about reframing the, uh, the mm -hmm. stories we tell, uh, reframing the family, because I think there's there is so much dysfunction out there mm -hmm. and i think those of us in ministry we recognize because we talk to a lot of people we right. recognize everybody just is is just as broken just in different ways right, right. Oh, you yeah. know we've had oh, yeah. all those conversations but i think the the misconception is is that i'm the one struggling with this alone i'm the weirdo the outcast mm -hmm. we're the only ones that don't have this figured out right you know, and what what would you say to either say the parents to the the couple, the people who feel like they look at everybody else's life and everybody else seems to have it all together, and they're the only ones struggling. Maybe their marriage is struggling. They haven't figured out the whole parenting thing. Their spiritual walk mm -hmm. just doesn't seem to click. Mm -hmm. What would you say to those people who are kind of wrestling with those that sense of uh, we don't have this figured out? Everybody else does. Yeah, I mean, this seems it's really simple, but that it's just not true. <laughs> like we are all we're all struggling in different ways. And I think, you know, we go through seasons too, where things might be going a lot, a lot better. I've talked to somebody a few days ago who was saying, man, we're really in a season of abundance now mm. and how good that is. But mm. you know, six months ago, maybe they weren't. 
and someone else was. And that's mm-hmm. why these friendships are important because we can be in those different places. But um, I think even even those of us who maybe look like we have it together, who are looking at people and going, man, they have it together. Like we're all struggling in different ways. Mm. Like sometimes we have to have it together in order to do certain things, our jobs, for mm. instance. But then, I mean, just speaking for myself, I think probably a lot of people look at me and they're like, man, she has it together. She has four kids. How does she do that and do this and this and this? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like sometimes I go home and I can't do anything. Mm. And I feel like the worst mother ever and feel mm. like I'm not doing anything well. Like I'm barely scraping by. And, you know, those weeks when everybody eats fast food for days and mm-hmm. my kids don't even know that I know how to cook or, you know, whatever that is or or they need something and all I want to do is sit and watch Netflix. Like, we all have that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, struggling. We, we all have that moment when you realize, when was the last time my kid had a bath? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I joke that we don't have a dog because I don't remember to feed the kids half the time. So, like, we can't do that. Like, I just can't. I can only, you know, handle mm-hmm. so much. And, um, and, and, you know... We all, I think, compare. Mm-hmm. There's always yeah. somebody who is is doing it better, who has a better marriage, who has a better job, who has a better, who have better kids, who have better balance. You know, I see all these parents. It seems like, you know, mm-hmm. you look at social media and they take their kids to the zoo and, um, you know, I get my kids out of bed and I feel like, <laughs> whoa, look at me. Um, we made it yeah. to school on yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um yeah, man, life is life is hard and and bumpy, and I think we're all just doing the best we can. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. um, and so how when you can learn to kind of live in that and realize, well, I'm not, I'm not, we don't have that kind of family, but our family can still be rich and good, and uniquely us. Mm. And once we kind of learn to embrace that, there's this this great freedom. Um, I don't know that just because of being human that we can ever get fully past that comparison. Mm. But I think we can learn to knock that out and go like, no, I'm not going to listen to that. It's just not true. Well, if uh, you're listening to the podcast here, you can uh, hear this is one of the reasons why we're excited to have Tamara share part of her story is because I think it's it's liberating for, for people to hear someone that they either look up to or respect in a position of leadership, a ministry role and stuff to hear, oh, this person struggles just as much as me. Mm-hmm. This person has some of the same issues or runs into the same things yeah. uh, as I do. And so we're excited to have you come and share some of your story and help us look at a different perspective of what mm-hmm. family looks like mm-hmm. within the context of church and how we can help reclaim that story yeah. in light of the gospel as good news exactly. that it is a restoration of God's goodness and creation Mm -hmm. and that we get Mm -hmm. to participate in that. So we're excited to have you as part of this story. As we conclude, maybe we'll do uh, one little fun thing here as we wrap up there. If you're in a room and you're looking around the room and and if they were to do an instant kind of a a hidden talent, you know, the the thing that you could do better than anybody else in the room there, what would that hidden talent be that you have that like maybe somebody wouldn't even know about Mm. you? This is Brad's go-to too. Yeah, I I, I would love. This is like my least favorite question. Oh boy. I know it's hard. Well, because maybe I'm just this. This gets into the vulnerability thing. Like I always feel like I'm second best at everything. Oh, okay. Like that's. I mean, maybe that's, that's a middle true. child thing. I know yeah. it's just not true. I'm still working <laughs> on that. But 
Yeah, I do. I always feel like I'm second best. So this this is exactly the the wrong kind of question oh, for me. Boy. It's like my my thing that I wrestle with. Um, I don't know, but but honestly, I am such a generalist. I feel like actually I'm good at a lot of things. Okay. So that being second, it's like good at a lot of things, great at nothing. Okay. It's okay. like my mantra, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm trying to embrace that as a really good thing. But um, yeah, I I love I love to sing. Okay. So I'm actually, I think I'm pretty decent. A decent singer. Well, there decent you go. Decent singer. Um, so when you not come, the best. When you come to preach, we're going to have you lead worship. So you're yeah, I can do, do it all. Both. No, you know, and, yeah. <laughs> just kidding. We Every once in a while, I am like the singing pastor. I don't know if I'll do that here, but you know, sometimes you need a little like wake people up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what else? Can I we get, do we need to give you a think. handheld mic when you come instead of the no, little? No. Oh, no, please. No. I got to, I got to have the cool. Britney Spears. Oh, yeah, it's the a past, cool Britney Spears. Right you know, yeah, oh yeah. My husband always calls me Britney Spears when I preach. I'm like, oh yeah, exactly. That's, that's what's happening. Um, <laughs> man, it's so hard. I feel like being a mom has just knocked out all of my cool talent. I'm like, I don't even remember. Ask me in, you know, 15 years. There you go. That's fair but enough. But I do like to sing. That's so, fair enough. That's, yeah. I, I, I could see my wife answering that question the exact same way there. She's just like, when we talk about things that uh that we do or interests or hobbies or things that we have there i mean she just there's something about and this is not uh i think this is one thing from a gender perspective that is very interesting women are so good at carrying so many different roles Mm -hmm. and i think there is just the the misunderstanding that you know that every woman that's moving forward in their you know their career or whatever else they're you know, has has the time to do all these other things. Where right. in reality, they're just expert multitaskers there. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, guys, a lot of times we're lucky if we can just figure out what we're doing for the moment there in that exact right. thing. Right. So I mean, I'm really good yeah. at drinking coffee. There you go. So there's that. There go. We we introduced Matt to that this week. There, he gave up Pepsi. So oh, yeah. So ooh, Pepsi. Yeah. Pepsi is like my. That's my problem, mm-hmm. you know? And so I was like, okay, 40 days I can do this. And I wasn't going to do it initially. And oh, I wow. Felt, okay. I felt a sense of like, I'm not doing, I was listening to my brother and some friends. I was like, I need to step up my game. And so I went to the Pepsi and cut it out. And yeah, I'm afraid I'm going to die, like headache so, or something. So he's currently in the 40 days of the wilderness without uh, Pepsi. Yeah. There. But wow. uh, I don't think it's biblical. No, I, mean. I don't I don't know well I mean that's how I am that's how I am about coffee like yeah. it's I wouldn't how can it be a problem like even if it's yeah. a problem it's not well yeah. I was um, like trying to do the coffee thing on Sunday morning and the our volunteers at the coffee bar were like laughing at me because like clearly I don't know what I'm doing you know I'm like it, I don't like going to the coffee shop and ordering just in general because I feel like there's too many words involved oh I love all those words <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man no way Wait, my wife and I went the other day and she like gave me her order and I looked at her and I was like I, I don't want to order that. I don't know <laughs> what order do I say this in. You know, my husband stuff. needs to meet you. He's the same yeah, way. yeah. I, I don't know. Have, you're yeah, and so they were like, <laughs> you know, you're like putting our little creamer things in my coffee cup on Sunday morning. And she's like, "How many of those did you put in there?" I was like, "I don't know. You took my things and threw them away. I lost count. So I just keep putting more in there until it turns a color I think looks suitable." You know, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "You're ruining this." And so they like have this goal that by Easter I'm going to be drinking black coffee. And I was like, "You guys are out of your minds." That would be a quick transition. That would yeah, be impressive. I don't think it's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. What if think... you can get down to like two two packets? That would be. I mean, I can go for it and just give it a shot. Do it. Yeah. If you guys tell me how I'm supposed to make my coffee, I'll try it. I mean, I'll go for it. You know, I, it was pure amateur. They stand me there in front of all this stuff. It's like, 
you might as well have put me in an operation, like an operating room, and just had all the tools there and go just like start. Like, what do I do? You know? So. Well, there you go. Leave your comments below to uh, help Matt in his yes. coffee transition. We'll, <laughs> we'll suggest some entry level drinks to get him into the wonderful world of but I, coffee. That's the other problem. I don't like hot coffee that much. Oh, I, I did so iced good. coffee. Well, see, iced coffee. No, there you go. Know. You can, you can, I did. still not the same. Not the same. Yeah. It depends yeah. on the, it depends on the weather. I've really gotten into cold brew coffee. So I think we could. I think mm -hmm. there's some hope for you yet. You told me, so we have a kegerator here at the church, mm -hmm. and uh, we were talking about putting coffee in one of those and serving brew. cold yeah. brew here on Sunday mornings. Oh, yeah. That's, I could get behind people that. People are doing that mm -hmm. a lot. That's mm -hmm. the thing. Mm -hmm. All churches have kegerators, don't, don't they? All the ones you've worked on, at least, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah no. Of course. No. Of course. <laughs> All right. Well, Tamara, it's been such a joy yeah, to uh, talk with great. you. I'm so glad you could come and join us in the studio. Yep. We're looking forward to having you share on a Sunday. So uh, yeah. thank you for being our guest here, our first guest in our podcast studio. Yeah. Yay. Awesome. Nailed it. So, All right. Well, we're wrapping this up there. This has been another Fresh Take. It's been great to have you joining us. We'll see you all next time.